it's not easy butchering people. It's hard work. You know, there's a lot more like me. We're talking to serial killers. Serial killers! New terminology. Are criminals born, or are they formed? How do we get ahead of crazy if we don't know how crazy thinks? It's easier to ask for forgiveness than for permission. Welcome to the Hollow Nine Mindhunter Podcast. All right, this is case file number 002 for the Halonine Network's Behavioral Sciences Investigative Division, uh, tasked with coverage of Netflix's original series, Mindhunter, episode two. This is uh, Dave the Clone reporting in as director again, and joining me around the table for our continued investigation are all the way from purgatory. Uh, we're pulling you out of your constant, ongoing, growing number of minutes over there. Uh, Jennifer Earp <laughs> saying hello again. I'm going to take offense to that, Dave, because we've kept it under 10 minutes <laughs> pretty much every time. I'm, I'm not complaining about the time. I'm all about more than minutes for Holonine listeners to enjoy out there. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, purgatory is that place everyone says they want to avoid, and we just keep sending you back oh, for yeah, 10 no, minutes at a time. Keep, keep, I want to go back. I want to go back every time. All the time. And all the Erpers <laughs> out there, I hope some of you all are hanging out with us over here at the Mine Hunter Zone. I hope so, too. I hope so, too. From Saloon 7 Studios and half of the uh, Grit and Grace TV program over there, let's say hi again to investigator CJ Ripka. Hello, everybody. How's it going? And thank you for having me on again. Yeah, man. I mean, I think once we kind of go start going down the road on this, it feels like uh, one of those group traumas we all have to go through together forever. <laughs> we will never be the same after we learn about the inner workings of the dark human brain. Um, thank you for being a part of our continuing efforts here. And rounding out the form and quorum tonight uh, from the world of the dead novels and also a resident uh, big bad of Tangent City, Dr. Paulson himself, Mr. T.W. Brown, how are you tonight, sir? Doing good, hey, Dave? Well, uh, we are back again to continue going on the journey with uh, Special Agent Holden Ford and his new partner, Bill Tench, as we uh, educate ourselves and the law enforcement around the country about uh, the growing phenomenon that is serialized killing. But uh, I think this is the episode that really defines what Mind Hunter is as a show. <laughs> Holy shit, Ed Kemper! <laughs> oh my god, Ed Kemper! Oh, wow, yeah. I think there's nowhere else to begin, right? I mean, that's it. <laughs> that is it. Um, this is where the show really. Also, I guess we could talk about how the opening of this uh, episode was the first yes. of uh, changing tone and letting us know that they're going to be breaking batting us a little bit on this uh, series here. Good work, Mr. Fincher. <laughs> What'd you guys? That was, yeah, that, that's the thing is once, once this kicks in with episode two and these little teasers, I, I'm waiting for the whole episode for it to matter. Yeah. For it to you come know? back. I mean, right? That was the thing is it, it, yeah. it had me. And I think that this is one of those programs that is designed for binge watchers. Because oh, yeah. if you had to wait a week, every week you get that new one and you'd be like, what happened last week? What yeah. 
Whereas when you binge watch exactly. it, you're, you you want to hurry up and get to that part because you're like, all right, I want to see what's going to happen next after you get through episode one or episode two, I should say. And mm-hmm. I, mean, I hate to spoil it for anybody that's not seen it yet, but you're oh, sitting there no. waiting for that to matter, and it doesn't really. Spoil. <laughs> Not to yeah. the story of what's going on. We should, <laughs> we should put out that disclaimer, which I don't know that we necessarily did last episode. And if we, uh, you know, if we hurt your feelings, I'm sorry. But uh, disclaimer, spoiler alert. That's how we're going to be talking about the show. I mean, you don't do an investigation without doing an investigation. So if you are not current, at least up until episode two, please stop here. Pause. Don't stop. Pause here. Go watch the show. Then <laughs> come back and resume. Um, but, uh, you know, we are, we have watched the whole season, so we are going to be kind of going a little bit in the direction of, uh, putting the pieces in perspective of the whole picture. So I think it's a, it's a richer and fuller way to cover the show and fuck it. It's more fun for us to be able to just talk about it the way we want to talk about it. So that's what you're here for. It's why you tune in. Uh, Jenny, what was your kind of uh, reaction to this new open, the cold open of episode two? This was it. It reminded me of the um, like back in the eighties when the whole like psycho mailman kind of thing. Postal, yes, like <laughs> yes, right? Because you're in that work environment, and I'm like, like I keep seeing the guy looking for the tape, and I'm like, okay, looking for the tape. It's the guy. That's gonna be the guy. And then the guy's like, no, you need to bring the roll of tape. And I'm like, what? This is the weirdest conversation ever. Because the other guy's like. I don't. I just need to roll the tape. Just give me the roll of tape. Like, and then it just ends. And you're like, "What is happening? <laughs> it's electrical tape. Why is this? Why is this such a big deal?" Oh, but oh, I mean, it, it had me hooked. It had me hooked because I was like, "There's this. This is important. This is important reason, and I don't know why, but I want to know why." CJ, what did you think? Uh, I thought it was absolutely brilliant. Uh, mainly because from the beginning, as soon as they started showing it, I was like. Oh, I know what's coming here. I know what's ah. going to happen. And uh, I even had, I even, from from that very first episode, I kind of had the the theory of who it even could be. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm. Couple of different. There's a couple of different guys that I thought, okay, I I think I know where the storyline's going, and and I thought it was going to play out in that series in, or in that episode. To be honest with you, yeah, because yeah. it just. I just kind of felt that that's the way because mo- that's the way most opens are. It's like you get the you get the flash, and then you kind of get the story uh, throughout the episode. And it, and I should have known from the first one it wasn't going to be like that. Right. <laughs> but I hadn't done that yet. So uh, I was I was disappointed that I didn't find out more or I wasn't confirmed as to who I thought that was. But then I kind of got about it as we got into the episode because it got so big so fast mm-hmm. yeah one of the things yeah. i definitely think is hard to miss about this show is they pack a lot into each episode you know there are some episodes that uh, of shows that are in the 50 to an hour minute you know 50 to 60 minute long count and it feels like it goes by in 10 minutes and then this show i kind of usually this is a complaint about shows but i feel like each hour has the same amount that a two-hour movie would have in it. You know, you're kind of like, holy shit. That's why I even felt some of episode two bleed back into episode one in our last uh, podcast about it, where I was like, well, didn't this guy stand up and say, what the fuck, you guys, tell me what this means? And then you guys are like, no, dude, that's... that's." that's <laughs> I'm like, well, shit, spoiler alert, y'all should be ready for this. Um, 
But uh, <laughs> apparently, uh, my you know my parents uh, they watched the show after I told them about it, and they knew right away who that guy was. Like, this is an actual guy from history, like an actual serial killer. Yeah. Um, but not knowing that, and not knowing that it was based on a real person, I thought that this was going to be the show's first completely fictional created serial killer of their own. And yep. we were going to watch their, like, this is the moment, like the first one we're seeing is this is the inciting incident that set them on the path of, okay, that was it. It was the one day too many of someone asking me for a new roll of tape without bringing back the cardboard. So guess what? <laughs> I am going to start literally fucking murdering people, you know, like across <laughs> the country. That's it. I'm beginning a reign of terror that no one will know is me. Um, but I didn't know which of the two guys that was going to be. Was it the guy who wanted the card, yeah. the, the cardboard thing to come back because that's how it's done? Or was the other guy going, are you fucking kidding me? Just give me new tape. Yeah. Just give me some new tape. God damn it. And I was like, either one could easily be the person who goes off on a fucking killing <gasps> spree. You know what I mean? Like either one of those people are being shown in a situation that I'm like, so here we go. This is it. This was the beginning of American debt slavery finally pushing people to the edge. <laughs> you know, this is the conspiracy theorist's beginning point. Point A. This is going to yeah. lead us to 9-11 right here. <laughs> <laughs> so now, right when you were talking, Dave, I had just had an amazing epiphany. Yeah, I saw it. I saw it happen, and I was like, I better end this so yeah. she could say her thing. Her no, piece. no, no. In the cold open, and I don't know why I didn't catch on this like the first time we watched it, but when I watched it the other day, because I always watched it on closed captioning once, and then or watched it on closed captioning and then without it, right? Nice. And this time I was watching it with it on, and the right when the guy that was asking for the tape turns around and walks away, he goes, "Whatever, Dennis." Oh, totally he said his name. Line. Whatever, yeah. Dennis. He said his name. I didn't even just caught it. I bet I CJ knows who it is. <laughs> yeah. His name. CJ's like, I've it's done in, the research, yeah, guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so do your parents, because they live during this that time. But, right. Um, I caught it because, honestly, yeah. uh, this guy was a study in my psychology class in college. So oh, wow. That's how I caught onto oh, it right. Nice. So now, do nice. you think that played into your instant um, love of the show? Because you're one of the I people think... that, when, when I posted the notice on Facebook, like, hey, we're going to seriously get started with the with the podcast, you're like what the hell you know like your facebook response of like i never even heard of this and now i've already watched the whole season twice and i'm like okay <laughs> look at that that was i dropped yeah, the, the bait in the water and the sharks are here like oh my god <laughs> yeah that 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 was definitely one of those uh reasons why uh having having studied some of this stuff in college kind of really kind of boom there it is so yes yeah, <laughs> It, 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 and it's exciting, and I and I can't wait to jump into this this full episode because just this opening sequence, um, it shows so much. It, yeah. There's so much being shown. Yeah. The nonverbal information you can get from this this what is it, thirty seconds mm -hmm. is absolutely it tells an entire story in thirty seconds. It's a, it's amazing. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I kind of I, I like the fact that I identified with what it was with not knowing what it really is. And I like I'm I'm intrigued because I know CJ knows so much about the real people that this is about. Like, I, I, I almost want to say maybe I'll go read the damn book. But I also I kind of don't want to look him up because like not only was this scene super cool, but they get progressively 
cooler and creepier. You know what I mean? And especially in the context of what Holden learns this episode. Yeah. You know, now this episode kind of carries some of the monotony of the last episode. You know, I, I, I will admit that there is a certain level of monotonous to monotony that you have to be okay with. David Fincher's style has that like you know, when you think of Zodiac, that movie's super long. I, I've gotten bored mm-hmm. watching it at times, you know, and I think this is a show that could sort of suffer from that every once in a while. But I think if you're fascinated by what they're talking about, that doesn't happen so much. But that is the one one complaint I've heard from people who, who haven't been able to get into it. They're like, dude, man, the episodes were so long and I felt like nothing was <laughs> happening. And I'm like, are you not a book reader? If you're not a book reader, maybe this isn't kind of like the show for you. Because to me, I'm all about dialogue. I, I, I live for characters with rich dialogue. Um, and, and so for me, this show is almost... Should, I feel like this show should be studied for how to write characters with really distinct voices. This is one of those programs where you want to have everything done before you sit down to watch it because you don't want to get up and leave the room to go refill something to drink or grab another something because you will miss something important. Oh, you mean something you could do during the fucking title sequence that people skip over? Gotcha. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> yeah, it's, no, it's what to do with the pause button, man. But it's just it's one of these shows that when you're watching it, And this is the part that I don't understand when people start talking about a level of boredom. And that's because a show like this, you're going to find something in just about every sequence that is important or that leads you down a path or or misdirects you even. But this is one of those shows that I didn't find a moment of it tedious or boring at all because I was so pulled in to... The interactions, seeing that, and having lived during that time, seeing that area, that that era of time portrayed, and, and watching it and going, God, we really were like this. This is really <laughs> how we were. I mean, this was our society. It's not this freewheeling sort of, you know, laid back thing. Now it was a it was a mind your own business world back then, and again ultra conservative to what we're to what we're used to now and and yeah. so i just i didn't find any of it especially the dialogue sequences which i felt gave me more depth of knowledge about how these people came to conclusions they came to or acted the way they acted mm-hmm. you know and this is also to me an episode that really uh and as long as i'm not getting it wrong starts to work on the humanization of the guys that are in lockup yeah, because yeah, when they true. start doing these interviews, it's easy to picture these guys as what you see on a on a photograph when they say, you know, this killer, this killer, this killer. And they don't really tell you. you actually get to see them interact and how they are. And there's a humanization aspect to it. Definitely. You definitely see how the empathy that they talked about in episode one is actually utilized in episode two. And that that's it's. It's pretty intriguing there too. Yeah, you know, one thing we didn't talk about in episode one was the uh, the college class that Holden sits in on, where the professor's talking about, you know, there's five types of killer: the the born killer, the environmentally made mm-hmm. killer, the habitual killer. You know, and this I think we get a little bit of that continuation with Anna Torv's character, right? Because that's sort of what her her she backs up a lot of what Holden's sort of take on what they're doing is. 
And Tench yeah. is the one. He's like he starts out more like a Scully, and by the end of this episode, for sure, he's a full-on Mulder, just like everybody else. You know, he he actually is the one who winds up saving the day because this this is the episode where they we learn as an audience that heroes and cat in shows have to take risks. <laughs> if you don't take a risk, <laughs> there's no show. There's nothing that happens. There's no episode. Yeah. Um, the monotony of this episode is. I think what we're supposed to feel that Holden feels about his life on the road, you know, basically their role as partners is they go and they teach these classes to law enforcement, local law enforcement all around the country, teaching them the FBI tactics because they're the ones that are on the front lines, right? They're the ones that are going to run into eventually the guy that we saw in the cold open. So they're the ones that need to learn this. And we see, it doesn't necessarily go that smoothly. It's not something that's taken to right away. It's like uh, the skepticism that we saw in Holden's classes in the first episode to uh, taking up a notch to the next level. Yeah. Yeah, because you get that one. Was it, I think it was in Santa Cruz Was it when they were teaching that class that the, the older guy that had dealt with Manson or knew people that were dealing with the Manson case, and he was just, just mean and gruff and was like, whatever, this doesn't help me at all. Yeah. Here I got this case. Can you help me with this case? And they're like, no, we can't. Well, we don't he, know anything more than you do. Yeah, he was like one of those uh, old school skeptics who's like, all right, use your shit and tell me right now what the hell. You know, use your special abilities, FBI man. Tell me yeah. what this means. Um, and but he was also mm-hmm. this show's version of the cigarette smoking man from X Files. I think too. <laughs> totally. <laughs> I was just like, totally he's like, like, all right, you sons of bitches. I've been here since the beginning. <laughs> Um, and I mean, the thing is for as much as like, you know, the adjectives that we want to use right away, like he's gruff, he's mean, um, he's sort of skepticism is probably even too light a word. Um, seasoned, seasoned, (laughs) gristled, right? (laughs) Broken. Maybe he's even a little broken, right? Because he definitely has some baggage he's carrying around from having been around, the Mansons. I mean, that's we've seen Manson get mentioned a lot in the show, right? Manson is everybody's benchmark for the first level of serial killer, I guess. Too before we realize there's you can't so many... talk about murder almost without mentioning him. I think I, yeah. I don't think much serial killer as as murder, and I think this also demonstrates how they did not have uh, a definition for what a serial killer was, because anybody who killed on any kind of scale more than just the one crime of passion was you know murderer period and the whole manson thing made it so that um it was their tie-in it was their go-to because he such a violent horrific thing was tied to it so they did that whole situation with serial killers if you look at what manson was though it's it's not just that it's it's also you add in the control aspect Mm. you add in the 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 evil aspect of it uh, there's so many different things. When we when we think Manson, right away we think evil, controlling, uh, mind control, all these things that that he's synonymous with. Uh, and you don't get that with like the Berkowitzes and and stuff like that. You you, you get the control aspect, but you don't know as much. Uh, the Manson thing was all over the news. I mean, mm-hmm. that was the most mm-hmm. publicized. Yeah. Uh, mass killings that that ever happened. So right. at that time, so uh, when when someone says Charles Manson, you got kids today at you know 10, 11 years old who can understand that connection. Whereas if you were to say Son of Sam, that 
you got teenagers nowadays that wouldn't understand what yeah. the what they think you were talking about a western yeah (laughs) well there's a lot of themes that come to play in this episode as well um not only um does does holden kind of do that overachiever way of being able to kind of work their way into being even allowed to do these interviews you know his first interview um he gets because he's pursuing an interview with manson right he he has he's in a class and he's talking to another detective in the back who's just like, oh, yeah, forget about Manson. You'll never get to talk to him. But you know who you should talk to, this guy, Ed Kemper. The guy will never shut the fuck up. You'll start talking to him. You'll have, <laughs> you'll have fucking material for a book by the end of this thing, you know? And I love characters like that because we only see that guy once in the whole season, you know, that the one yeah. guy who's got that very distinctive, I'm like a featured extra who's probably been in, like, a whole bunch of other <laughs> shit that you've seen. And maybe I'll even be in more shit now that I'm in this. I mean, I did that Illuminati blood oath thing last week, so I'm supposed to be on the upswing. Yeah, yeah, right. Or I'll end up on the Big Brother Celebrity Edition. Yeah, man. But he he steers them towards who becomes our first uh, case study. That yeah, I guess you know. I mean, for all of us, how do you not fall in love with the charisma of this character? You know what I mean? Ah. And, it's it's a horrifying concept, but the, I mean, right away we we talk about you go to YouTube and they put up side by side comparison of the actual killer and the actor in this show portraying him, and you're just like, award this man, <laughs> get every Seriously. board that needs to just watch this YouTube video and award this man. Who? Let me yeah. see. I, this is the whole reason I opened um, IMDb. Who played Ed Kemper? A guy by the name of Cameron Britton. Who? Uh, let's check his uh, IMDb. He's got a couple other things. A couple of things filming. I'm not surprised that he's got a whole bunch yeah. of stuff. <laughs> um, he was in an episode of SWAT, the 2017 SWAT TV series. So he's a new. He's like a newcomer. We have a lot of TV and a lot of shorts, a lot of stuff. Uh, I guess. <laughs> That none of us would even recognize, so I'm not going to bother saying it. But Man Cameron Britton. Three. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Frightened inmate number two. Though, <laughs> I wonder if he did a lot of like improv stuff because the way the mannerisms and stuff that he was able to get of Ed Kemper's was like, and, and for being such a young actor, it was like very in tune. Like he either caught it really fast or he just watched a bunch of video before they filmed this. Yeah. yeah. Mention the fact that the similarities in the way he looks. Yeah, uh, I mean it's it's uncanny. I mean the, his face, his height, mm-hmm. his, his weight, mm-hmm. everything. It, it it almost nails Ed Kemper to a T. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. It, it's like there's a certain almost scary element of gentle giant going on there because you know until certain moments occur, you kind of are. And I think we see this in the way that um, Holden. Uh, response to him when he first meets him the way that uh, Jonathan Groff playing Holden Ford here how official we sound all of a sudden now IMDB <laughs> today you're coming through for me um, he's sort of like you could tell he's got like an affinity for him like his fascination with him immediately puts him into all right like your first time out you've crossed the line dude you've gone too far in getting too close to this guy you're not being scientific enough with this this is why i i kind of like bill tench's voice of reason and not liking this whole idea because um you know we as the audience are just as fascinated with this dude when he first comes on the screen now is that is that that's in his second uh 
interview with him where he says, hey, you're going too far. You know, you shouldn't do it that way. Right. Um, you know, even in that first step, that first initial contact, though, between the two, you you already kind of get that feeling of, uh, well, he says it. He goes, I have no idea what I'm doing here, but we're just going to keep talking until we figure this out. Uh, is pretty much what he says. And uh, in, in that in that whole and Ed's response to that is, well, I don't want to talk about the stuff. You know, I don't want to make small talk. I just want to talk about what I did because yeah. that's what I'm happy yeah. to talk about. So he kind of said, here I am. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's just let's do this. Uh, uh, and there was a lot of I mean, this this sort of mirrors almost like a first date with the awkwardness and the fumbling yeah. and everything else like that, you know, and, totally. and, and, and for the little, little you can almost see that there's a bit of of. I don't want to say starstruck, but you know he mm-hmm. is a little bit in awe of what he's what he's sitting there across the table from, you know. And that's why I said they sort of work on the humanization aspect. I think a lot in this episode to show that I mean these guys, even though they are whack job crazy um, <laughs> and capable of doing awful things, there's still there's still a side of them that has. You know, that is the kid you sat next to in class that just took the wrong turn. You know, I mean, they I have yeah. a humanness to them. And, you know, it's, it's something that's easy to forget. Oh, well, this parallel thing going on behind the scenes. It's, it's two different people in one. Yeah. 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 Just yeah. like everybody, though. And that's what draws us into this characters. We're all that way. We have two sides to us. Mm-hmm. Not yeah. necessarily a serial murderer side. but <laughs> Yeah. Everybody has it, and it draws us to that character. And the nuances that this character, that this actor, is able to bring to this character is absolutely genius. It's yeah. funny. His charisma is. It, sorry, Dave. Yeah, no, go ahead. I was just say his his charisma of being friends with the guards, and yes. just being able to be like, "Hey, John. Hey, John. Yeah, can you give me some egg salad? You know, yeah. like they have really good egg salad here. Do you want some?" And just like, what's happening right now? Like this is. We're so we're supposed to think this guy is a crazy like psychotic guy, and he's just like, oh yeah, you know, I'm friends with the guards. They like me. I'm I don't keep to myself, and I like egg salad. Like whatever. Like what? yeah, I was gonna say it's it's God. interesting that TW brought up that it's almost as awkward as a first date because it yeah. becomes like a hey, let's have something to eat, you know, and it's like, and it's <laughs> not even it's is is like hey John, have you seen Marty today? Can you think you could find him for me? You know, and it's like it's like. <laughs> Dude, you fucking murdered people and fucked their corpses. Like I know, I'm I'm like baffled right now. I'm baffled. Um, See, that's, yeah, that's the aspect that a lot of people miss is if you've not if you've never done any kind of time at all, any kind of lockup time at all, is you miss you you don't know what's going on inside there, and you don't realize that that becomes a society, mm-hmm. you know, and that is your neighborhood and. You know, I mean, granted, you know, there's taking the guards out of it and everything else like that and not going on who's good, who's bad. But you hang out with these guys and then all of a sudden realize that the guy you're sitting there, you know, getting a guitar lesson from is one of the Manson family members. You know? Yeah. I mean, I'm sorry, but I did time. That's a real life story for me. I learned guitar from Bobby Bruce who was one of the wow. Manson family? Holy you know? shit, and, dude! Wow! <laughs> wow. So I, I, I throw that out there, and but you, when you sit when you sit down with Bobby at lunch, you just can't see any of that because yeah. first yeah. of all, it's you know it's the two thousands, 
And this is not the Bobby Boussoulet from the 60s. This is now, a, you know, 40 years down the line, Bobby Boussoulet. And you're having lunch with him, and he's just, a, he's just an old dude, you know? <laughs> wow. And it's the same thing with these guys. What they showed in this episode is that on the inside, those guys, you're seeing them as a media figure. When yeah. you read about a serial killer, you're seeing them as a media figure. You're not seeing them as a guy that... You know, walks the yard, hits the weight pile, watches TV, has a specific magazine he likes to read, or as a bookworm, you're seeing him as just what the image is given on TV of the, the terrible things he's done in the murders. And this episode really shows the other side, and I think that's important. Wow. Yeah. Wow, dude. Well, thank you for um, sharing that with us, man. That's, that's fucking cool. I mean, that you have that ability to bridge some of this for us because i mean that that to be able to talk about how realistic realistic this is uh from experience like that i mean thank you for being uh cool with sharing that with us um that's like mind-blowing to me because i feel like now we're going to be discussing what i feel like they're showing us on the show and you're like yeah that's exactly what they're doing or no they got that <laughs> wrong and, and um and 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 it was kind of like the way you're describing that like you know Holden is not seeing the danger. He wanted to bring his gun and his badge in, you know, and intention is like, yeah. dude, are you out of your fucking mind? The guy is like going to tower over you. What happens if he takes that away and shoot, you know, like, like he's killed people before he's going to shoot you. Um, and I think that, that there's an interesting dichotomy at work there and, and that it takes a while for Tench to even open up to the idea of seeing the human side, because that's the whole point of what they're trying to do. You know, they can't do this project of, um, of trying to figure out how to spot these minds before there are 15 victims down the line. Um, you know, and, and I think this is also, I love that they, they use the uh, chief, like their, their superior completely not seeing any value in this at all. When he finds out about it, you know, his first reaction is to kind of freak out about like, how dare you? Like, what are you guys out of your fucking minds doing this? Like, this is crazy. Um, well, the chief literally tells him that this is a this is not a science. This is not real. This is the backroom boys. He's basically saying that this is the homosexual psychology is what he's trying to tell him. Only only homosexuals get into the psychology of why people do whatever they do. And uh, they're right there on the front line saying, no, this is the reason we need to understand so we can you know, figure out how to catch these people rather than letting them go on these eight-year killing sprees or these three-year killing sprees or whatever it is that they're doing. Also, um, limiting yeah. your view by being by having that kind of a stigma that you use. Like, we don't need to discover. We don't need to explore anymore. It's either this or it's this. It's nothing else. And they're like, no, we already discussed that it's strangers killing strangers. So now we have to feel like if you see the mailman looking at you and licking his lips like you're a steak, he's probably cutting people up on his free time. <laughs> this is the shit we need to be able to figure out. And I think another aspect that comes up, especially with Ed Kemper, is um, and discussed a lot like when um, when Holden is talking to Debbie about the things that he talks about with Ed, the conversations he has with this killer. Um, a lot of it starts to look at the relationship between families and in particular mothers and sons, you know, like we start to really see the whole, um, I don't know if we call this a stereotype, but, but haven't they sort of like, uh, 
statistically said that serial killers, for, for the most part, are white males. Um, so you kind of see that dynamic coming into play. And um, one of the things that they make almost as if all of them have this, at least all the ones that they first are going to be studying in the show, a lot of it has to do with how they've interacted with their mother or how their mother has dominated their life in some way. You know, there's a lot of these aspects that it's like, I wonder how parents are feeling watching this show. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> this holy is also fuck. another throwback to what the, was so big in the seventies, <clears throat> and the whole Freudian thing was really surging again in the seventies. <clears throat> that the 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 Freudian complex thing was really surging again in the seventies, and so that was the first really solid thing that they could latch onto and try to make sense of what was going on. That was really their first sort of puzzle piece that they could say, oh, this is an edge piece and it goes in this corner. And now we can start making the whole picture. You know, but that was in that time, you know, you had a lot of a lot of hippie <clears throat> vibe going on and a lot of philosophy and Freud was the name that everybody could throw around. Hmm. Mm-hmm. CJ, you look like you got something to say. I didn't want to jump in. No, Whoa! Hi. <laughs> the, the universe is like you guys are on to something. Congratulations! I just wanted to talk a little bit to give give a little bit more perspective to the character of Ed Kemper. Um, a lot of you know they don't really go into this in the show, but this is this is really something that they kind of touch on it briefly, but then they blow over it really fast. And that's the fact that at 15 years old, he started off killing by, uh, by his killing career. And you, you kind of get in the show how he calls it his vocation. And oh, things right. Like that. But he, call, uh, he started off by killing his grandmother after having an argument. And in watching, uh, watching interviews with Ed Kemper, he did it because he wanted to just see what it felt like. And then mm. he goes on to kill his grandfather. And he cites the reason for killing his grandfather is because he didn't want to see, he didn't want him to see his wife laying on the floor and then have a heart attack. So he just, you know, sped up the process for him <laughs> and took him out too. Mercy kill him for it was the an thing. Act of mercy. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. So it kind of, with that uh, t- kind of being the the setting, you know, he went to a state hospital. We hear that in the show. We we understand yeah. he goes to the state hospital. He comes out. And the reason why he comes out is because he is intelligent enough to be able to get the psychologists and psychiatrists to understand that he's better. He's reformed. And, you know, another aspect that people don't know, he was a genius level. When they tested him, he had a 136 IQ. So this guy was a genius. So what they're what they're showing on the on the screen now that you know this, you can actually go back and watch how he's interacting with Holden. And you can start seeing exactly why he's leading it. And you really get the feeling that, well, um, I'm going to give you what you want, but you're going to get it on my terms. You're going to yeah. get it the way I want to tell you. And, and, it, and you know, Tench is always there in his ear saying, hey, he's just feeding you full of shit, feeding you what you want to hear. But no, he's feeding, he, he isn't. He's not feeding him shit. He's feeding it to him in the order he wants to feed it so he can start bringing forward into his mind and the way he thinks about things and make you kind of give him that that because he's got to maintain that control all uh, you know even though he's in prison him being able to talk to to uh holden is 
given him an opportunity to grab control of yeah. what he does. <clears throat> you start and seeing that throughout these interviews. I think it also puts his charisma on display as well and shows you how he is able to lure victims because yeah. he just has a way about him that would pull somebody in if they weren't being hyper vigilant. And most people, especially in that era, really weren't. And yeah. so this shows you how this big dumpy guy can pull these girls in and yeah. yeah. And, and I have a question. He, go, go ahead, CJ. I was going to say, and he never got caught. He actually right. Turned That's what I wanted to go in. to. Yeah. So turned himself in. Um, my question, CJ, you might be able to best person to answer. Um, was the term sociopath something that they used, or is this like the turning point where they decided, like, yeah, there's psychopaths out there, but now there's these people that know what they're doing and very methodical about it, and these are the sociopaths that that we actually should be really uh -huh. scared of. Well, actually, uh, Jack the Ripper was the was deemed a sociopath. Uh, okay. So okay. the term right. had been around since you know before this. It just had, hadn't mm -hmm. been used quite so freely. I, th um, I think uh, gotcha. Anna Torv's character, though, uses it, and I think we see her for the first time in this episode. She actually gets to mm -hmm. review her is it the next episode. Jesus, see, they all fucking bleed together. <laughs> Do your homework, Dave. Yeah, I just watched all of them. So that's why they're all like, I feel like it's just one three-hour movie I just watched. I'm like, Keep all right, guys. Keep them in it's all in Infinity War. It's all that happens in Infinity War. Everything is in the same thing here. But, um, but we eventually guys hear her use the term. Um, but they, this is the, they do start recording the interviews this, uh, this episode, right? Or is he just no, taking no, notes no. at this point? Fuck. Just taking notes. Cause remember he's like taking it. He's like, hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah. And like you can see that Ed's Ed, like, getting, getting annoyed. He's like, what, what the fuck, doing? dude? You know, like for God's sake. trying to sell a story here. And then if yeah. he's like, yeah, make sure you get that one. It's a very important yeah. antecedent. You're like, what? God yeah. Damn. Yeah. Now, do you guys notice the nuances in the character when he talks about certain things? You know, how his mannerisms change. Always when, well, when uh, he first asked about his mother and you kind of right. almost got the fact like, oh, he's going to lunge across the table. Like, oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, shit. You, well, just, gonna, you just poked the bull, dude. You, you just, he has you the vacant him. look. He has the excited yeah. look. Yeah, you see each of those sort of... Uh, aspects of him come through you know you see when he just kind of checks out he yeah. also has like a showman period too like when he first shows up like everything feels a little on the rehearsed side of like oh i'm always grandiose like this when i first meet somebody because you know we also have to keep in mind the guy who sent holden to him set it up like going yeah this guy loves to talk about himself you know what i mean it's like so i think yeah. um he also we we noticed when he first meets Holden, one of the questions, like one of the first things Holden says, is like, "Yeah, this isn't going to be tests. This isn't doctors." And he goes, "All right, no tests." You know, like like immediately it was like, "This isn't going to be some kind of like scientific. Uh, you're studying pieces of my brain. I'm not going to wake up on a gurney somewhere." So he didn't want to be studied like a lab rat. But when he mm -hmm. finds out that somebody's interested in what he thinks. Like and why he thinks and, and he even said it, it's a burden for people like him to carry this idea of do you know how much work it is to butcher a human being you know do you know how much work it is and how and, and at the end of the day when you're exhausted from that you just want to tell somebody about it and you can't you know um, and uh, and then he drops the thing that really catches our eye and I think is the actual only thing that directly responds to the open when he says 
there's got to be about 35 of us active right now in the country that you don't know about. You know, 35. And he was like, 35? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like yeah. really? How is anybody still yeah. alive out there? How is anybody walking around not getting murdered if there's like 35 of you guys walking around? Um, and so that's, I guess, what was reinforcing my mind. Like, oh, so that guy we saw in the beginning, he's one of those 35. And he's probably like, this show is like, okay, he's our original story. That'll be what season three is about or something. You know, when when they finally catch wind of this guy, you know, and I felt like what, what they were setting us up for was that season one would be they're so distracted with all this other stuff that here's this one guy who's going to be killing people right under everybody's noses and they still don't find out about it until like 20 murders down the road. Because even though we're watching this show, we know it's a period piece. It's based in history. We know that there have been famous serial killers since the 70s. You know, Zodiac never got caught. Yeah. You know, like there's stuff like that that I wonder yeah. if they'll ever touch on. But Ed we also... Got old, we got the old cop down in California that finally just got you know hauled in. So Well, Ed... All, oh, no, <laughs> yeah. right? And Ancestry.com yeah. of all the things. Yeah. You know, like there are the conspiracy theorists out there who say, are you guys crazy? You're just giving samples of your DNA away to some company that now technically owns it it's part of their property and then like you know hey the one guy who thought for sure hey i did that murder like you know how many decades ago they'll never find me <laughs> i'm just gonna send my dna somewhere that, that might then then sell or use or give cooperatively just give my dna since they own it because i signed a waiver that it's their property now and um, they just gave it to law enforcement and they fucking caught the guy like that shit's crazy um but again, yeah, I mean, so much, so much as far as how our view of the world we live in might be affected by this show, you know, and and maybe that's the point too, because I think everybody at that time had to kind of get the wake up call to like, yo, this is this is what we need to be on the lookout for. Um, of course, we get the sort of they're kind of put in their own hell to a degree because they're given the basement. The last, the, the last thing we see in this episode is them going down the elevator, right? To, to go start their new life after uh Tench convinces the, uh, the chief to let them keep doing this. Um, one of the things that I think Ed does that's really scary too, is he goes over to Holden and he shows him things like you have to cut him here to kill him. Like yeah. when he's like, or do you feel how tough this is? He's like right yeah. there. That's all cartilage. He's like, I fucked that. <laughs> I cut somebody's head <laughs> off and fucked that. And you're like, all right, man, let's get you some pizza. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, that was, that was kind of crazy. Um, and it, things are, it's funny because those things actually really did happen. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We're talking about this is stuff that this guy actually did to, to this FBI agent. Um, and, uh, it's, they never say it during the series and I'm, and I'm going to give it up now since it's not going to be a spoiler, but there is one point where he says, I can spin your head off and set it on the table and wait for the guard to show up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, you know, and they never, they never touch on that. And I wish they had, because he actually says that early on, uh, when they're talking, when, when Ed Kemper's talking about that incident in the, in the actual interview, uh, it happened early on, which should have been within either this episode or the next, and it never happened. Never, so that's something that happened in the real one. That was. That I was, was. I was disappointed. I was <laughs> <laughs> Even David. That was your free bird, huh? Yeah, like <laughs> Hollywood was like, "This is too demented for us to put in this show. This is one step too far." No one will believe he says that. Yeah. I was like, God. 
dang it, that was what I've been waiting for. I'm trying to think. <laughs> I feel like there was something Debbie did this episode that really kind of reinforced my thinking of like, oh, man, I wonder if in season two she'll turn out to be a serial killer too. Because like her interest <laughs> in the way that Kemper, like, you know, because Holden is immediately affected, oh, you know? Bar? <laughs> and he's immediately affected by the fact that he's talking to Ed, you know, and she is, you know, responding to the things that he's talking about Ed saying. And I, I guess there was something just about the way that she delivers her lines sometimes because she's always immediately the alpha. You know, that's, the I guess, a big thing that Holden is not an alpha for as much as he's an alpha. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's always in that like year to her. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. he does. It's, yeah. He's a comic book villain alpha, you know? He's only an alpha <laughs> in the moment where he's absolutely sure he's going to win. Like, the com <laughs> confidence is high because I definitely got this, but everybody else is like, yeah, okay, now I'm going to just punch you and get you out of my way. You know what I mean? Like, he's definitely not Groot. You know what I mean? He's not have, doesn't have that kind of armor, and a lot of other people do, and Debbie for sure always is like i'm the alpha here especially yeah. in bed for god's sake she's basically giving oh. him instructions <laughs> like, all right you do this now <laughs> move a little bit to the left, My <laughs> left, your left, your left. camera <laughs> left god damn it do it <laughs> should we take a break no don't stop stopping <laughs> yeah that oh you know the, the one part in two um i just thought about when you were, we were talking about that because um kemper brings up he's like oh yeah because you're a virgin right and and holden's like very taken aback, like, no, why? Why would you think? And he's like, oh, well, you just come across as a virgin. Yeah. He's like, what? What about me? But then you look at him and Debbie's sex scenes, and you're like, well, yeah, he kind of does. Like, he's yeah. like, am I doing okay? Am I doing okay? It's like he's he's, he's, like, he's carrying his yeah he's carrying his own. It's but it's almost like he's getting it right by accident. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, you're you beginner luck, man. Go catch a fly with chopsticks. Let's see this happen now. You know what I mean? Missionary Mark. Yeah. Yeah. But that was another thing that was really kind of uh, eye opening about this show is their their sex scenes are pretty fucking Game of Thrones graphic. You're like, whoa. Yeah. Whoa. The yeah, only you thing can definitely tell it wasn't put on by some network. <laughs> <laughs> right. No. Like I would I would venture to guess they're really having sex here. Like I'm like, this is like porno without the penetration shots, guys. This is real. Well, and close. it like it like comes out of nowhere. It's like yeah. yeah, Holden's talking to Kemper, and then all of a sudden you just like graphic sex, and you're like, what? Why? I don't understand. That the dichotomy between those scenes, I don't get it sometimes. You hear, like, yeah, you hear her breathing before we even get yeah. to the visual, and you're like, wait, that sounds like fucking. That's fucking. You know what I mean? This <laughs> <laughs> sounds like someone's having sex. Go, oh, thank God, I decided not to watch this show with my kids. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, <laughs> half of us out there going like, yeah, man, yeah, that's exactly what. That's why you go out with a girl like Debbie for sure. That's a definite benefit of this whole situation. But yeah, it's you know, and I guess I didn't think about it in those terms. Is like, why do they when they juxtapose those scenes where it's like all these other scenes where maybe intellectually he does have the edge. But as far as his standing, you know, like, like they would have gotten shut down if Tench didn't go in and have a chat with the boss afterwards, you know, and, oh, yeah. and he totally cashed in a lot of blue chips, oh, if not all of the chips that he's got, because he oh, goes, yeah. I like you, Bill. I don't like him so much, but I like you. <laughs> You know, and then he's like, can, can you stop him talking? He's like, dude, no, I've tried. <laughs> and 
I, I just want to take a moment to to name drop Holt McClanny McCallany. I'm sorry, Holt McCannelly. Um, because he's the guy from most notably, I think, when you see this guy's face, you go, Oh, Fight Club. This is the his name is Robert Paulson guy. I think I know what uh. you mean, sir. In pro in death, a member of Project Nahem does have a name. His name was Robert Paulson, and then everyone's like his name was Robert Paulson, and they like he has that kind of bravado of always he could be like a really tough, heavy-handed number two, and I like that. I feel like this role for him is uh, one of his first, where he's like a focal point, like he's he's one of the main leads, he's a series regular, he's one of the stars of the show, and even from when we first meet him, he brings this element that never leaves. He's a cohesive constant, I think, for the show from this point on. And uh, definitely somebody I was really happy to see pop up in this show. I don't know if you guys have noticed him from other stuff, but I really, I'm happy he's in it. <laughs> Very gushy when I recognize an actor. I'm like, you! Fuck you! All right, you're in this! If only all of us were making money to be excited about it. Yay! Holonine.com. Help us out. Person 47 in the Dave Rolodex of uh, <laughs> If I could ever interview you, Holt, I'm sure we could go grab a beer and talk about what it was like to be in Fight Club and somehow release that on the Mindhunter feed because it would make sense because it's another show. He was also very prominent in that movie Black Hat, by the way, with uh, Thor as, the, as a hacker. Not Mike O'Man's best, but it was cool. <laughs> Uh, anyone else on this show we want to call out that was in episode two? No, I think you've hit the fountain of obscure to the point where we're done. I think, uh... You know, it's funny. I'm looking at the IMDb right now. Like, I can't believe Anna Torv is only in eight episodes. And that Ed Kemper is yeah. only in three. Like, looking at this, says Cameron's only in three episodes. And he is like... Yeah. Anyone who watches this show from this point on, you are not going to not picture his face as soon as somebody says Mindhunter. You know, this might as well yeah, be yeah. his show, and he's only in three out of the 11 episodes. That's fucking nuts. Um, I feel like there's probably some other stuff we didn't talk about in this episode. So if you're out there in listener land going, dudes, are you fucking kidding? You're done already? Um, yeah, you want to shoot us an email, and it's going to be <laughs> mindhunter at com. That's the word hollow, the number nine, com. You could also shoot us one at info at com and just put mindhunter in the uh, subject line there. You could shoot me a note at clone at com, and I'll read it on the air and tell everybody, hey, we got an email about mindhunter. Um, but there's plenty of ways to get in touch with us over at Hall and Nine. How about the rest of the people at the table with us tonight? Uh, Jenny, tell us a little bit about what you got going on out in Internetica. Oh, man. You guys can find me on Twitter um, at Jennifer Pod, representing 10 Minutes in Purgatory. You're on the Hall and Nine network. Um, I also am on Twitter at Comic Crush Nine, which is the comic blog that we were starting that'll be coming up soon. Uh, yeah, that's what I got going on right now. Sweet. CJ Ripka, tell us, come on down. What do you got going on? <laughs> All right. You can catch us over at gritandgracetv.com. You can see and hear all the things that me and my cohort, Lynn Jett, are doing there. And you can also catch me on Sundays live on the Barracks Lawyers. That's, uh, that's over on Spreaker. Nice. That's a new one. I was like, my face was like, what? <laughs> Never heard that one before. Shock me, shock me, shock me. All right, Mr. Brown, still with us through the storm to end all storms out there in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, what do you got going on, my friend? 
Uh, other than uh, the the zombie world getting bigger by the day and uh, another zombie book, Dead Snapshot Estacada, I'm actually going to start uh, doing some live uh, mix between live and also some GoPro stuff that I'll just be doing video postings. I've uh, taken up uh, beehives this year. I'm going to be you know, working as you know in the apiary type of thing. Uh, this is my first year with hives, so it's going to be sort of a if you're thinking about doing it and you're new and so you're a little intimidated because i started doing the research and i was almost ready to back out because there's just so much to learn um i try to make it uh it's kind of video bee handling for dummies because huh? i consider myself kind of a bee dummy so uh i got my first sting the other day so that was kind of cool i felt like i was being left out because it'd been you know almost a month and i hadn't gotten stung yet so i finally got stung so that was cool but, uh, well, at least you're not allergic, man. Good to see that you're still here. Right. <laughs> I'm like, like not first thing in life, right? Just first thing in in this uh, endeavor. First, first thing handling. First thing handling. Yeah. Okay, because I'm gonna say in life, this might have been a life or death situation if you had never been yeah. seen before. Yeah. I remember when I heard that fact on a uh, story on the some. It was way before Discovery Channel, but as a little kid, I was petrified after hearing like you know, like in like those science shows they used to show you in school. They're just like, oh, by the way, these are some of the most venomous creatures on Earth. Goodbye. You're like, oh shit, th that thing's <laughs> flying around in here, man. There's one in here. And, you know, like I was horrified of bees. Now I'm just like, all right, well, save save the world, man. Keep the plants around for us to eat. Um, Pick so, it up and do ten thousand tomorrow. Thank you for doing mm -hmm. your part, man. You write about the zombie apocalypse. And then you actively try to stop the zombie apocalypse by having <laughs> I love it. All right. Well, you know that you, we will continue this investigation because there are still another uh, nine episodes left of this show for us to talk about. So uh, you go ahead and watch all nine of those and come back and join us for episode three when you are ready. But until then, we will be here at the Hollow Nine Network. So thank you for stopping by. And I'm going to say this is the end of this case file. See you at the next meeting. You've been listening to the Hollow Nine Network, bringing you the very best in fan-made media. That's the word hollow, the number nine, I-N-E. Now broadcasting from our new home on the web, hollow9.com, where you can find info on all of our awesome programming as well as the team behind the shows. Leave us your feedback, join in the conversation, and be a part of the action. Find the Hollow Nine Network on Facebook, Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat. Rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts. Email us at info at hollow9.com or at hollow9podcast at gmail.com. Join in the fun. Hollow 9.